Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. And I'm John. Hello, I'm Ed. And this week we're going to talk about how um, we're going to you know, kind of actually tie into last week's episode with the 3D printing stuff. We're going to kind of go on how 3D printing can help STEM education. And, you know, with that, you know, it's more or less like, you know, what can you learn from it and how you can use that, you know, and possibly in the classroom or even if, you know, you want to learn, you know, STEM education at home and you have, you know, something that you need to go with. You know, we talk about, you know, using G code, stuff like that, which is, you know, it's a modified math language, you know, but, um, you know, I'll leave it open to y'all. Whoever wants to respond first, you know, we'll go with it. You know, how do you think that, you know, the 3D printing stuff can actually influence STEM education at any level? Uh, yeah, honestly, at any, at every level, um, curiosity drives a lot of the learning, right? So wh- why does that work? Why, why is it doing this? Uh, I remember, in, you know, um, in one of my first physics classes, like taking away oxygen and, and on the candle and the, and the light going out, um, the fire going out. That, that phenomenon is amazing. So if we are able to kind of use any of those, you know, physics ideals or mechanics yeah. ideals or anything like that and, and relate those into um, problem solving, like uh, puzzle solving, like, um, okay, well, I need these pieces to go into this, um, to this box a certain way or to fit this puzzle, but on a smaller scale, like building a Lego robot. Or, right. or something like that, or 3D printing a robot, actually, would probably be a lot easier than getting it, uh, a Lego robot to stay working for you. And then you can continue on from there into, now I need to, uh, I'm going to put these posters up. So not too far. And then once you get into the higher level um, geometries and, and pre-calculus calculus, you can say, all right, here's an egg. I need you to 3D, 3D print some type of enclosure where I drop this off the side, no parachute or anything like that. Which one can survive the the highest fall, yeah. um, and and not just grading them on on performance base, but like contribution. You everybody's participating, so it's competition breeds you know ingenuity. excellence, yeah, and ingenuity. But it's it's something that you can scale too, because like right, what if I asked you three D print your car? Yeah, I mean you couldn't do it right now, but Ed probably would try to be doing it tomorrow. Yeah, so. <laughs> and if you think about it, you know with that. You know, not to, you know, really jump in, but, you know, Ed, you need, you know, wanted to voice your opinion. But, you know, you start thinking about all the phenomena. You're talking about taking, you know, especially in 3D printing, you're taking a liquid going to a solid. Yeah. You know, and it depends, it really depends on which one you go with. You know, if you go with, you know, FDM, you're melting that plastic down to a liquid state and drawing with it to a hardened state. But now if you go to the resin printers, you're using, now you get like chemistry. You're dealing with how light takes a resin-based system and turns it into a, into a solid, mm-hmm. no matter how you look at it. So you're kind of dealing with, you know, not just chemistry, 
You also deal with the physics side of the house and you start thinking about the different phenomenons and how that kind of plays into place. You know, but, you know, I know you're getting ready to, you know, say something. Ed. What do you think? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say the, the thing that I think that's great about 3D printing or the technology is that it's now become affordable. Yeah, exactly. Um, anybody that wanted to um, maybe print um, an exploded view of something so you could see how the inner workings of something works, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's inexpensive now compared to subtractive manufacturing where you have to mill these things out because this takes uh, specialized uh, skills to do these things. With 3D printing, there is some special specialized mm -hmm. skills you have to have, but the thing about it is you get to use CAD models and you get to use uh, all of the things you learn in physics and mathematics, and uh, you get to learn uh, by making, like actually putting your hand on it. It's like a person that makes a vase or a person that makes something out of clay uses their hands. Mm -hmm. They don't just, you know, snap their fingers and make these things. So it's the same thing in a in a in a way with 3D printing. Yeah. And what I what I do believe that would make STEM uh, more attractive to kids is if you were able to to explain to a child, hey, this is why you're doing this. Hey, this is why you use this type of uh, cylinder and you use this type of lever and you use this type of uh, fuel ratio, and then you you, you spark a, you make a spark, and then you get combustion, and it pushes a piston down. Mm -hmm. You can show that, you know. So I, yeah. I think that's that's a really good way to use three D printing. You know, if you think about it, you know, also on top of that, you have the guys who are building the um, the rocket nozzles. You know, that can screw on to. Yeah. Um, um, uh, leader bottles. So when they do the leader bottle rockets, you know, using, you know, um, uh, well, using methane yeah. and, uh, no, sorry, using butane and water, you know, it's a, it will take that and convert that to a, you know, into a nozzle, like the, what they would use on like the Saturn V or thing or something like that. And actually, you know, you can actually see it when they do that, will actually produce mock diamonds. You know, mock diamonds is the, you know, if you're thinking about it, you know, how you can, and they do print 3D rock, 3D rocket engines or nozzles for like SpaceX, Blue Origin and all of them. They still do that. They also do all the reciprocating pumps and stuff like that as well. But if you think about it, the mock diamond is, it's a phenomenon based on the speed of sound coming out the bottom of an engine. So instead of a, a solid plume, it looks like a stack set of diamonds on top of each other. That, that's why they're called mock diamonds um, when they're coming out of the bottom of an engine. They're actually, that's actually based on how efficient, how tighter the, the diamonds are together means that mo the motor is actually more efficient. So you can actually 3D print those, those nozzles to have a, you know, um, a liter bottle do it for you. And you can also hook those up to a regular, a little you know, mini rocket engine and actually print those to actually test the uh, mock diamond phenomenon. And it'd be structurally sound, I bet, to make it like you could like you could scale, like uh, we talk about it. We talk about it um, quite a bit. It's simplicity scale. So if that's like working on that scale, who's to say you can't size that up and and use that to get to space? I I also wanted to think uh, there was something else that Ed kind of was was speaking on as as well as when we were talking about STEM activities or, or, or scaling with with three D printing as as you you know you know grade school, middle school, high school, you're going up um, the ladder there. 
Um, hell, it could even get used in you know medical school. Like yeah. we we can three D print those pieces that you really can't work with too much um, on a huge scale with um, mass manufacturing. You can make those little pieces um, that you know maybe I need I need to stitch this back up. Maybe I need to. Um, check to find um, if, if there's some internal bleeding anywhere. And, and they can set that up there uh, in such a way that, that you can practice on that. So it, it goes all the way up into, you know, your master's, your doctorate, all, all the way, all stages of education. So I, I just, it's, it's, it's something to think about because it, it can be implemented so many places in, in just the pure uh, prototyping. Just the pure prototyping is, is uh, vital. And I don't know. That's that's interesting to me. If I could make it, yeah. I mean, I'd fly paper planes when I was little. If I could three D print a plane, I'd I'd be doing those instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, <clears throat> one thing that Nick said that that really caught my attention was robotics, and uh, ro robotics in the sense of being an assistance robotic, where we uh, have a uh, a collaboration between a human and a robot, like right there together. And they're doing, you know, a low torque robot that even if the robot was able to get inside of the collision zone with a human, it could never uh, hurt that human, but it could make that human more productive. Mm -hmm. I, I think that if you could take things like that and give it to kids when they're young and let their imaginations run and then say like when we had the Mars rover, you know, mm -hmm. say like, think about we had one type of design for Mars rover. What if a kid could get that and say, hey. We can make the Mars rover not only have to have this type of energy to keep perpetuating itself. We now, you know, kind of when you're thinking about, you know, the, the Mars rover type of thing, you know, going on that thought process. You know, if you think about it, you can 3D print 95% of the components no. that's on a 3D pr on, on those things. But, you know, with that, because, you know, you can actually do, you know, metal 3D printing now at some at some levels. You know, we got, you know, rockets that are being 3D printed at this moment. But if you think about it from a STEM education standpoint, you know, does 3D printing fall under, which is still will, I'll fall under either or, you know, STEM or STEAM. Because now that we've, you know, rolled, you know, the arts into, you know, the, the STEAM methodology or the, the, the STEM methodology and turn it into STEAM, you know, over the past, you know, couple years, you know, that's kind of where that falls in. Because if you think about it, you know, some of these guys, you know, they might not be interested in the, you know, the math behind it or the, the science behind it. But, you know, you got, you know, some of the people out there who are, who are really big into like uh, computer aided design, CAD or any of that stuff. You know, you're one step away from getting to a 3D printer. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go out there and get one of the, you know, what we call the, the lazy man printers, you know, where it does everything for you right off the rip. Um, and then you don't have to touch it. You know, it's, you know, it'll do it on your own. Um, you know, if you don't understand, you know, CAD, you know, modeling, you can, you know, print it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned, um, like relating it to STEM and, and, and the CAD and, and all that. It's, there's really two sides of the coin. With, with 3D printing, um, so like, depending on how how you learn or how anyone in STEM learns, it's it's uh, to me it was hands on. So I'm doing this. I need the physical part here. I need to do the process to find out what's wrong, what's right, what works, what doesn't feel right, and how to 
how to move forward with any issues and troubleshoot. Um, now that feels like it's more the physical side of everything and, and the hands-on thought process. There's very, there's very much so the other side of the coin where it's uh, everybody's theoretical. They're just in their head thinking about, oh, well, this is beautiful because of uh, how, how this, you know, um, this symmetry looks. Or, or, or um, I could make this look better with, you know, a bit of symmetry here, and I could make this more sleek here and push, push the mold on the actual model uh, instead of, you know, having the, the physical piece and thinking about, mm -hmm. hey, I need to print a wrench because um, I don't have this specific size right now and I need to get it done right now. It's a, hey, I want to print this wrench because I want to size it up and put it on my wall to make it a bit of wall art just because I like mechanics or I like just how this looks. And, and it, it kind of touches both sides of, of, of the, the um, thought process and the learning um, process there for a lot of the STEM. And that's how it gets into, it gets into the arts there. It's, yeah. is it, it goes from mechanics into art. Like you don't have to, it doesn't have to be functional, but still you're making something, something sizable, you know? And that's that's it's curious that you and Nick both bring that up because there is a tie-in from the artistic to the actual uh, industrial side of that ergonomics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know we we develop things like uh, things that we use to brush our teeth or brush our hair. Uh, we develop the way laptops look or tablets look or how they fit in your hand. Mm -hmm. We develop steering wheels. We develop how the dash. Uh, fits around a person as opposed to being some obtrusive object. Right. So that's that's a good point. Uh, but I, I like to go just a slight, just a slightly one different way. Mm. I would like to look at it from what if it's another type of art. It's a dying art, but it's an art nonetheless. Mm. It's uh, the, the people that still uh, create watches from scratch. Yeah. What better way to teach a, a, a person that's, you know, um, um, passionate about mechanics and art and mm -hmm. having them design a watch and they can 3D print the parts and look at it and see how it works and maybe they come up with a different way for mm -hmm. a watch to work yep. or maybe the, maybe the look of the watch is different because you know everybody has smart watches and that's it's nothing wrong with that that's, that's really neat mm -hmm. but it's always like human the old mechanical watches they have yeah. something mechanical to me. What do you yeah. think? No, I, I love mechanical watches. You know, I'll, I'll tell you right now, you know, I've been to, you know, a couple countries and walked through a couple watch shops and a couple clock shops and stuff like that. And, you know, seeing the old school, old fashioned, you know, mechanical way of doing things is, you know, it's an art. And, and, you know, and like you said, it's a dying art form because some of the guys don't want to be doing this anymore. You, know, you don't want to have the guys making the old fashioned cuckoo clocks anymore. You don't have the guys, you know, maintaining the old-fashioned, you know, hand-crank watches. You know, I still, I, I, I still, yeah, grandfather clocks, exactly. You know, I still have a mechanical watch, you know, and I love the damn thing. Um, you know, don't wear it a lot because of, you know, because of work, you know, related issues. But, you know, other than that, you know, it's still one that I, you know, I keep, you know, around the collection when I can. But, and it's, it's one of those things of where if you start looking at it from like the 3D printing standpoint... You know, every little bit helps. And, you know, that's the big thing, like, what we like to try getting at is, you know, and why we've hit on a lot of STEM-related, you know, topics in the past couple of weeks. It's, you know, trying to drive that point home. There's a need for it. There's, a, there's an absolute desire for it at this point in time. And, you know, that's kind of what we're getting at. Um, 
you know, and with that, it's kind of like, you know, where can we go next? You know, what is the next logical step when it comes down to using 3D printing in the classroom? You know, we got to look at it from, you know, the math teacher standpoint, you know, the technology teacher standpoint, the science teacher standpoint, um, you know, and the engineering teacher, you know, if they have one, you know, some schools do, you know, standpoint, you know, the engineering teacher, we know where that goes. You know, you got, you know, the engineering teacher and the art teacher get together and you got cat, you know, that, that's how that goes. You know, you get the art teacher and the math teacher get together, you have G code, um, and you know, vice versa. But what is the next logical step that y'all are thinking about going forward if you're talking about using a 3D printer in each classroom? I'm thinking about, um, of course, we always kind of touch on prototyping and things like that. Um, but I'm thinking we need to figure out a way that's more of a, how, how do I find a solution to this problem? Like, okay, I've got this, I've got this leak here, or I've got this pipe that needs to supply pressure evenly amongst these three here. And it may, for me, that's on in a textbook on a paper, and I'm doing a whole bunch of uh, calculations and drawings on the paper. Um, but going into like grade school, I can't, I didn't know any of that stuff. So having it actually in front of me, uh, being able to print those pipes and 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 you know fill them up with water and see what it actually does, as opposed to trying to theoretically prove the mathematics behind it is is you know leaps and bounds uh, you're going to get into this so much quicker so that when it gets to that point you're going to say oh this is how it behaves and then now the teacher the math teacher the, the um, calculus teacher in college is going to say okay yeah that's absolutely how a rate of change works and that's absolutely which one would fill up first how did you come to this conclusion and they can physically show what show their work <laughs> for lack of a better term show yeah. their work so so getting to those people who we, we, they say all the time, I'm bad at math. Okay, well, here's the model. Go, go try it. Go test it out. Get, get your hands dirty and see, see what it does um, so you can learn that way. And, and, and getting them at you know, a young age, the kids are playing in the sand anyways. Yeah. So why not get them to play with something that's going to teach them something that they'll work with later on? I'm a hands-on math type of person, so I have to, be, <laughs> I have to know what I'm building to be able to do it. That's the only way I can learn upper-level math is if I'm building something and I have yeah. to use it with it. And I still do it by hand just so I make sure that I'm right. Yeah. You know what's, what's crazy? He said sand. So the next, the, to me, the next level is microscopic and macroscopic. Hmm. I'm able to take a, a, a semiconductor and show you, the, show you this on a molecular level, but I 3D print it where you can see it in your hands and say, oh, that's what that looked like. And this is what it looks like when... I put a certain current a certain way, whether I forward bias or reverse bias, and this is what happens. Uh, and this is this region. This is the region in between the two that separates the two. Yeah. You know, this is the this is the layer that opens and closes. Uh, it's a switch. Wow. Okay. Now I understand what you mean by it's a switch. And if I'm looking at a macroscopic level, uh, I look at a piece of rock or quartz, mm -hmm. and I see all the crystals in it. And I'm able to print out these crystals. Then the kid can see, hey, okay, I understand what you mean when you're talking about how these things are compressed together. And over time, you get these things. Uh, even if we look at it from the point of view where, hey, I take 
um, a carburetor. 3D print this carburetor. Make it in different sections and show the person how the carburetor works. Mm -hmm. Show the person uh, how a heart works. Right, I 3D exactly. print it and show them, hey, these are valves. Yeah. These valves work in a certain way. Mm -hmm. You know, if one doesn't work, you can show it malfunctioning. This is what will happen. And you can see this in, in real time. Then, as you said, and as you said, I can visualize the mathematics. I can feel the mathematics with my hands. I yep. can manipulate mathematics with my hands. Now, if you think about it, if you, talk, if you take the, like the, the we're, we're, you know, a lot of times we're talking about FDM printers. You know, that's kind of what we're getting at. However, if you take the resin printer, you know, go back onto that little topic real quick. You know, you throw that into a, into a science class. You've now proved that, you know, light can change or it can change a liquid to a solid easily, you know, and you now have physical viable proof, you know, of different, you know, laws that you're dealing with, you know, different, different chemical laws that you're dealing with at that point. You know, you're dealing with crystallization at that point of, you know, a, of a liquid to a solid, you know, you're not waiting for something to go bad because you let the lid off of it. You know, you're actually making something physical with that to prove a point that, you know, science in the real world does exist. Now, you know, I know we're getting, you know, towards the, the end of time here. But, however, this is kind of where, you know, Ed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to you real quick, you know, and kind of, you know, targeted your direction. Do you, th you know, you being a dad and you being, you know, a, a grandpa, do you think that if we, if, if there was a chance to put 3D printers in every single, every single classroom, could that change the trajectory of the lives of some of those kids being in those classrooms? Yeah, 100%. And, and the reason I, I believe this is because I went through tra traditional um, schooling as well as, so public school. Yeah, yeah. We, we went through public school. Yeah, so and there's I. some limitations between, you know, with public school. And there's some limitations with some of these phenomenons. It's hard to wrap your head around these phenomenons if you can't relate it to something. So if I can physically, if I can visually, physically, mathematically, all in one swoop with a 3D printer, of course it would. Why wouldn't it? Do you think that would get people more interested in STEM? And get people going into STEM into STEM careers. I think that would make people change STEM for what it is and turn STEM into something that it was supposed to be. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I hundred percent agree with that because because we're we're talking here, we're talking the big the big picture, like the, in, including three D printing in all, all these uh, classrooms, it, improving the life of those and, and the trajectory of their learning and their future learning. But for me, it's it's like this. It's like a spark. Um, um, like a passion um, was found. So the first 3D printer actually that I actually came in contact with and was working with was in college. It was it wasn't till then, and it was just this little resin printer, this itty bitty guy. I didn't even remember the model to be honest with you, but I it stopped me, and I was curious to see what this little thing that's buzzing in the corner is doing, and it's printing. Um, like spindles or, or gears for other projects that some of the seniors were doing. So uh, seeing that just sparked something. You're like, why? Why are we doing this? You really can make that? Oh, well, I have this other project that I was that I got stuck on because I can't. I don't have the specific uh, machined part or, or something like that. And you could just make it in house 
and and if it's if it's something as simple as like a building block or something if you get down into the pre-k and the like the younger uh, uh realms then why wouldn't you make that on site it's more sustainable you're not like um you're printing as needed uh so you're not overdoing you're not going over your budget or anything like that and and it's and it's so much cheaper than buying anything in mass quantities for like a whole district or something like that so you're trying to spark a, you're trying to spark a passion and and showing showing this kid this little machine that's making something from nothing creating something and you tell that kid that he could be anything he wants i feel like those things just immediately tr like relate and now that person is like okay well maybe i can print me a spacesuit or something like that maybe yeah. i can't go to space and then it just grows the curiosity from there and that's all we're trying to do is, is grow the like spark that curiosity and and just see where it goes from there yep and you know with that you know i'll say this you know i got a lot of friends who are who are teachers you know in different you know aspects of the educational universe you know but you know anything that we can do you know from you know a person standpoint a company standpoint to a technology standpoint or anything in between you know to help drive stem you know, it, you know, drive people into, you know, STEM education and drive people into STEM careers and, and stuff like that, you know, is, is looking out for the bottom line. And what that bottom line is, is the future of, you know, the, of the world at this point. You know, we have to have people in all those career fields. And, you know, if we can find one way of doing that to influence that change, you know, we'll definitely do it. And, you know, that kind of, you know, leads me to this, you know, if you have the ability to make a change, implement one of these 3D printers in your classrooms or something like that. Do it, play with it, have fun with it. You know, that's kind of the, like, we do like to leave people, you know, with a charge at the end of the day. So, you know, I'm going to leave that for our last little, you know, outro piece here to Ed. You know, and he'll leave you with the, uh, the charge of the week. So, for me, you can give a person material or you can give a person a 3D machine and he can make the material. Uh, so with that, what I would say is, uh, as always, we appreciate everybody that uh, supports us and uh, anybody that's just joining, we appreciate it. And uh, we really would like everybody to try to learn something different each and every day, even if it's only for five minutes. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learn something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at vulcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.